sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast On the 8th of July 2020, the Clean Energy Council held a Clean Energy Ministerial Forum online. This webinar featured all of Australia's federal and state energy ministers discussing the politics and policies driving the shift to a renewable energy future. The speakers included the New South Wales Energy Minister Matt Keane, uh, Lily D'Ambrosio from Victoria, the Minister for Energy, Environment and Climate Change there, Dan Van Holst-Pelican from South Australia, who's the Minister for Energy and Mining there. Dr. Anthony Lynham, MP of Queensland, Minister for Natural Resources, Mines and Energy. Bill Johnson, MLA from Western Australia, the Minister for Mines and Petroleum and Energy, Industrial Relations there. And Guy Barnett, Tasmanian Minister for Energy. It also included uh, the Federal Minister for Shameful Emissions, Angus Taylor, and he gave a, a very different kind of address to the rest of them. Each of the state energy ministers gave uh, impressive, not just commitments, but announcements of current and future projects which they have committed into action. I've taken the highlights of each of their addresses and summarised it here for us to share. First cab off the rank is the Honourable Matt Keane, MP, New South Wales Minister for Energy and Environment. Delighted to have the opportunity to speak on behalf of New South Wales at this Clean Energy Ministerial Forum. Environmentally speaking, the past 12 months have been the toughest in living memory for the people of New South Wales. The worst drought in a century was followed by the worst bushfires in our state's history. These are the consequences of climate change, and they are the exact type of disasters our scientists have warned us about for decades. On top of these catastrophes, our state recorded its first case of COVID-19 before the last bushfire was extinguished. The case is well and truly made for investment in climate-friendly infrastructure that boosts growth and creates new jobs. And the economic trauma flowing from the pandemic has made the task more urgent and more important than ever before. This is where New South Wales has a competitive edge. We're implementing our state's electricity strategy, the first in the nation, to create a competitive, low-cost market that delivers resilient energy supply whilst putting downward pressure on electricity prices. And we've put in place a net zero plan, which is fully funded with a $2 billion investment and a roadmap to cut emissions by 35% on the way to net zero emissions by 2050. International investors have made it clear that environmental sustainability is a key threshold for investment. On that basis, we've had a phenomenal validation of the government's approach from investors in response to our call for registrations of interest in the Central West Arana Renewable Energy Zone. It's Australia's first coordinated renewable energy zone, the modern day equivalent of a traditional power station, bringing together low cost solar and wind with transmission and storage to help meet our future energy needs. We got a whopping 27,000 megawatts of proposals worth potentially $38 billion in new private capital. 
That's nine times the amount needed to make the renewable energy zone a reality. Now, not every project will be built, which is fine. The framework is designed for energy companies to compete, innovate and solve, so the best solutions win the day. It's clear the private sector is ready to invest in new generation projects and is only waiting for the right conditions. We're stepping up our efforts with an additional $31.6 million in development funding for the pilot renewable energy zone. New South Wales will continue to work with our colleagues across government and the national electricity market to reform regulation and improve the approval process. And we will create a regime to insulate generators from the congestion, transmission losses and associated costs that they face elsewhere, making New South Wales an investment opportunity like no other in the country. Now, I know that members of the Clean Energy Council have faced many challenges through the COVID-19 pandemic. I know that things are still a long way from normal and the new normal is still taking shape. But now is the time to work together to achieve the goals that we all share. Now is the time to invest with confidence, to seize the opportunity to build the clean, green, affordable energy that will combat climate change and deliver all of us a more prosperous future. New South Wales is the right place for that investment because we have the resources, we have the plan, and we have the will to make our vision a reality. And I really hope that each and every one of you will join us. Next to speak was the Honourable Lily D'Ambrosio, Victorian Minister for Energy, Environment and Climate Change. Uh, first, uh, let me put Victoria's transition into context. Uh, when we first came into government uh, at the end of 2014, renewables uh, in our state accounted for less than 10% of our power generation. Uh, and that share had grown by only uh, a little over 1% uh, in the four years before then. So between 2010 uh, and 2014, uh, the share uh, of uh, renewable energy uh, had only increased by a little over 1% uh, in those four years. Our electricity system was in desperate need of investment uh, and our government made a very firm commitment to a clean energy future. We established and legislated uh, renewable energy targets of 25% by 2020 and 40% by 2025. Uh, and uh, as a result of uh, our uh, victory in 2018, uh, we extended that target to 50% by 2030. Uh, and uh, when we consider that, it's a significant uh, jump uh, in commitment uh, from where we started. Uh, and it also, of course, is about providing uh, about or creating 25,000 uh, jobs uh, in the construction of these uh, assets. Our renewable energy targets, uh, backed by our very auction scheme, uh, has been a really huge success. Uh, they, these together have sent a very clear signal to the market, provided investment certainty and driven record growth in renewable energy. And investor confidence, not just, of course, from within Australia, but from uh, right around the globe. We now have 2.7 gigawatts of wind and solar capacity in operation and sent a very clear message that Victoria is a welcome home for renewable investment. And uh, thanks to this, we also set a new renewables record in May this year with wind, solar and hydro accounting for nearly 28% of power generation in Victoria. And with another two gigawatts of renewables already committed, 
and numerous other projects proposed, we are on our way certainly to reaching 50% uh, by 2030. These strong targets are the reason that Victoria is leading the country for renewables jobs and has one of the highest levels of investor confidence of any state in Australia. And certainly I thank the Clean Energy Council for the report that they released uh, uh, yesterday, uh, which identifies and clearly shows that investor confidence is still very strong uh, in most parts of uh, Australia. But the benefits, of course, also extend to electricity prices and emissions reductions. The average wholesale price in May 2020 was at its second lowest level in the past five years, behind only April. Uh, and the transition to renewables in power generation continues to drive down Victoria's emissions. Since emissions peaked in 2011, they have fallen by over 15%, with lower emissions from the electricity sector playing a key role in this achievement. And the decarbonisation of our electricity network will unlock emissions reductions in other sectors. Transport is Victoria's second largest source of emissions behind electricity. But we are preparing the ground for the electric vehicle revolution, and it will be a revolution. There is already a growing network of fast charging stations throughout Victoria, and we are currently preparing a zero emissions vehicle roadmap that will outline our plans to ensure that we have the infrastructure, the technical capabilities and regulations in place to facilitate the EV revolution. The decarbonisation of our electricity system will also allow us to electrify some home appliances and industrial processes that currently require natural gas. To help chart this path, the Victorian Government is developing a green hydrogen industry development plan to advance this potentially game-changing technology. The Victorian Government's vision for the future of our energy system is absolutely clear. It will be clean, with strong renewable energy targets, providing the necessary investment certainty. It will be reliable, with grid investments unlocking the full potential of our renewable resources. And it will be inclusive, with our government empowering communities and households to take control of their energy. Our government recognises this challenge and is continuing to develop long-term whole-of-system strategies to facilitate this transformation. Next, the Honourable Dr Anthony Lynham MP, Queensland Minister for Natural Resources, Mines and Energy, spoke. In Queensland, the scene is that renewable energy is a revolution, is providing jobs, business opportunities, and importantly, and it has been acknowledged by the Queensland Competition Authority, it is providing lower power prices for Queensland families. And I don't want to be boastful, but we do have the lowest power prices on the eastern seaboard here in the state. And as Queensland seeks to recover and revive our economy against the global economic headwinds post-COVID, renewable energy will continue to be a strength. Now, we have an economic plan to drive us into recovery, and it focuses on our traditional strengths, but also especially focuses on our emerging industries such as renewable energy. Now, as many of you know, our progress to date in Queensland has been nothing short of remarkable, driven by our commitment to transitioning uh, Queensland's energy generation to 50% renewable by 2030 and zero net emissions uh, by 2050. Now, since 2015, 39 large-scale renewable energy projects 
have commenced operation or financially committed, and that's $6.6 billion worth of investment and nearly 6,000 jobs. And we have 6,600 megawatts of renewable uh, generation here in the state. And as projected by the end of this year, we'll have 20% of Queensland's electricity supply will be provided by renewable energy. Now, importantly, as in other states, these generation projects are in regional Queensland, and that's where we need jobs. They are valuable jobs for, for families and for local uh, companies as well. But it is difficult having a federal government that doesn't have a concrete energy policy that can guide both the government here in Queensland and also private enterprise into their investment decisions. Uh, it's been a bit of a wet blanket, and uh, as uh, my colleague in Victoria has stated, it's been up to the state governments to make sure we're driving renewable energy investment forward. It takes a lot of impetus state-based to get this through in the absence of concrete, solid federal government policy. Our government's focus is on renewable hydrogen, hydrogen hooked with renewable energy sources. Now, we can have roadmaps and we can have plans and we can have discussion papers and we hear that all the time. But as Kane said, I like to be pragmatic. I like to have a, 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 the runs on the board and we already have a $8.5 million hydrogen export pilot plan in construction in the Redlands. We have a gas injection trial already at Gladstone incorporating hydrogen into the city's gas network and Sun Metals uh, refinery in Townsville. Now, that's a, a, a copper refinery already largely powered by solar energy is now looking actively at adding hydrogen storage to their renewable uh, focus. Now, looking forward, it seems the world will continue for some time to struggle when it comes to the pandemic health challenge. And hand-in-hand, hand, economic recovery must remain a focus. And here in Queensland, our health response has been sound and we have an economic strategy to guide us forward. And I said earlier, renewable energy has been delivering for Queensland on many fronts. Obviously, emissions reduction, jobs, businesses, and importantly, lower power prices. It is a proud and regular boast that I have that Queensland has the lowest average power prices on the eastern seaboard. And as I said before, that's because of renewables. And for all these reasons, our government will continue to drive Queensland's renewable energy revolution towards 50% renewables by 2030. We are well on track and we're also well on track for zero net emissions by 2050. Next, the Honourable Guy Barnett, MP, Tasmanian Minister for Energy. Tasmania is blessed. Uh, we are the renewable energy powerhouse of Australia. We are so well positioned based on our world-class uh, wind asset and a world-class water asset. And we want to build on that uh, to grow our potential. We have the trifecta in Tasmania, as we say, and that's three things, affordable, reliable, and clean electricity. We're zooming in already uh, on the 100%, fully self-sufficient in renewable energy, clean energy by 2022. We have plans to legislate in the second half of this year for 150% by 2030 and then 200% by 2040. Uh, we're on track uh, to deliver that. 
we have a target to be have the lowest uh, electricity prices in Australia for regulated uh, residential and business customers by 2022. We have plans in Tasmania to deliver that uh, through Marinus Link, which will unlock a whole lot of renewable energy projects, which are already uh, some are already underway, some are proposed, and some will happen as a result, which will also include pumped hydro. Our topography geography in Tasmania is ideally suited for pumped hydro and at uh, an estimated cost of $1.5 million a megawatt, uh, we are well placed to deliver very competitive um, electricity into the market, which will provide that reliability, which will kick off and not just kick off, but underpin the importance of reliable or dispatchable electricity going forward. Our current capacity is 2,400 megawatts in Tassie. So pumped hydro capacity in Tasmania is a further 3,400 megawatts. So you can understand uh, there's lots of potential there in Tasmania to be the battery of the nation. So we're blessed. We want to make the most of our renewable energy uh, credentials, which can deliver the three things, affordable, reliable, clean electricity. We're well placed to have green hydrogen um, manufactured here with plans to be a global exporter uh, well and truly in advance of 2030. So again, another long-term plan. And it's probably fair to say I'm probably the most energised energy minister in Australia. I feel like it anyway, even if, uh, if I'm not. Um, I'm very excited about it. And all of these things uh, deliver for us jobs in Tasmania in terms of our plans, jobs, uh, billions of dollars of investment, uh, downward pressure on electricity prices and improved energy security. So we're very much uh, uh, moving out of COVID-19. We see uh, our renewable energy projects is uh, helping us through uh, this difficult and challenging time for, for all of Australia, all of the world, and uh, our renewable energy plans are part of that as we move through uh, our uh, COVID-19 uh, challenges. The Honourable Dan Van Holst-Pelican, MP, South Australian Minister for Energy and Mining, followed on from that. We have some very firm intentions and, and, and will be judged by uh, by the results and what we actually try and achieve. So where do we want to go? What are our intentions? Um, we have a, an official, uh, clearly articulated state intention to be net 100% renewable energy in the 2030s. Uh, I've never hidden the fact that it is my personal uh, intention that we reach that target by 2030. Uh, we are well on the way to doing that. Um, and, and I think that will, will be a, a significant contribution for South Australia, but also a significant contribution for Australia more broadly. We have a pragmatic approach. I, I have a very firm view that Anybody who thinks that we just stick with fossil fuels, who believes it's the cheapest, who believes it's the most reliable, who believes it's the best and that it does no harm, is wrong, clearly, clearly wrong. Anybody who thinks that we should uh, just jump to 100% renewable energy uh, as quickly as possible, you know, almost overnight, well, I think that's wrong also. We must make the transition from the first to the second, but it needs to be in a, in a pragmatic, sensible way and that is because we actually just don't have the technology in place yet or the capacity to put the technology in place yet uh, to make that overnight jump. We are moving quickly. We're moving as quickly as we can. Um, and we have very clear environmental uh, requirements 
Um, but we also need to look after consumers along the way too. We need to make sure that electricity is affordable, that it's reliable as it gets cleaner and cleaner. So we will have less and less fossil fuel. We will have more and more um, renewable energy. Generating electricity from renewables, primarily sun and wind, is not a challenge anymore. Everybody in Australia can do it. South Australia is blessed with uh, you know, better wind and sun resources than anybody else. That's not the challenge. The challenge is harnessing it properly uh, so that it works for, um, for consumers. Because if it doesn't work for consumers, they'll stop wanting it and they'll want to um, sort of stand still or perhaps go backwards even. Uh, and we're determined that that doesn't happen. So, And concluding the remarks from the State Energy Ministers was the Honourable Bill Johnson, MLA, Western Australian Minister for Mines and Petroleum, Energy, Industrial Relations. Unfortunately, there were some technical issues with uh, Minister Johnson's uh, comments, so we only have a very abbreviated version of those here, but rest assured they fit in perfectly with the tenor and tone of the other state ministers' uh, enthusiastic and positive endorsement and indeed commitment to a renewable future for each state in this nation. So whilst I've got no uh, hydroelectricity in Western Australia because we're a bit flat over here and we don't get the advantage of, uh, of rain, uh, but otherwise we do have the advantage of uh, very good uh, 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 levels of uh, renewable energy that uh, we hope will drive the transition of Australia's largest energy exporting state, Western Australia, uh, to the new renewable energy future. So um, uh, you can see that it's a very exciting time here in Western Australia and uh, I'm very lucky to be the minister at this time. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're clearly focusing uh, strongly on the future. So an impressive set of in-principle commitments there. And I can assure you that the specifics of the rest of each of their presentations were very clear and very detailed in terms of projects, procedures and policies which they have implemented and are committed to continuing to implement into the future. Of course, I am as well aware as anyone that none of these ministers are as pure as the driven snow, and each of them must be held to account for other failings of the environment that they are responsible for. But... Clearly, they are united in heading in the right direction, at least on the issue of renewable energy and our collective future as a nation. I found it particularly heartening that uh, more than half of those ministers are LNP uh, ministers. They are not uh, ALP or Greens uh, making those statements. Uh, New South Wales, South Australia, uh, Tasmania and Western Australia, in fact, are all Liberal ministers. And only Victoria and Queensland have ALP governments. So this has become a, a bipartisan issue. Renewable prosperity is a bipartisan goal in Australia today. Of course, the obvious uh, exception and the notable absence of uh, abject failure, our Minister for Shameful Omissions at a federal level, 
will be addressed. He did make comments, but they were of such a different tenor and quality that they deserve to be treated uh, on their own. And uh, I will be doing that next week. So look forward to that. And I hope that you found this to be as exciting as I did. Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental as Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future, we're hand in hand.